Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to add up on the EdUp Experience podcast, where we make education your business. Dr. Joe Salustio, back with you again as we uh, get closer, ever closer to uh, now, I think 500 episodes. We're creeping up very closely. Elvin and I last year, we never thought we'd hit 100,000 downloads, then we hit 110 or something like that. And so he keeps challenging me by booking me. Um, but basically booking me as many guests as he possibly can. So every day I wake up and look at my schedule and go, what amazing guest am I going to have on this podcast today? And then I also see that I get to have an amazing co-host with me. And sometimes I wake up to these com uh, these combinations and go, whoa, this is going to be cool. And this conversation, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be all about the colleges of art and art and its relevance in today's society and why it's so important. And I feel like nothing goes, well, when you're a student, maybe not while you're at school, but nothing goes with art like a glass of wine. So I'm going to bring in my guest co-host. This isn't making any sense, but I promise it will come together. His name is Dr. Kurt Steinberg, and he's president of Montserrat College of Art. Cheers. Hey, Kurt, what's going on? How are you? Great to be back. I was great to be a guest uh, previously, and uh, um, congratulations on the amount of downloads and the popularity of the group. I know that I've enjoyed listening to uh, a bunch of it and learned a lot. And I'm really glad to, to be here today and to hopefully add and support the conversation. So are we pro or anti sound effects here, Kurt, since you've been a guest and now guest co-host? I, I think you had, uh, I was early on, so I don't Cheers. think that evolved the brand as it were. So it's yeah. the, <laughs> You could say that, you know, originally started, I said, you know what, I don't, I, I had a co-host back in the day and then I, and then I was by myself. I'm like, I got to keep, do something to keep these conversations more interesting because yep. who the heck, what guest wants to talk for like 45 minutes straight. And I am as a, as a host, I'm like, gosh, I'm, you know, I have, I, I think I ask some pretty good questions every now and then, but to ask repeatedly good questions over and over, I was like, I got to have something to break it up. So, you know, I, I brought in the sound effects and then I thought, you know what, maybe I could turn this into a little bit of a comedy show along the side because higher ed podcasts in general are pretty boring if you go out there and you listen to the other ones, other than the EdUp experience, of course, no offense to anybody out there. But then I said, let's jazz it up a little bit. Just like the bow tie you're wearing today, Kurt, I thought I can bring in some flavor into this podcast. And speaking of somebody that's going to bring the flavor, somebody that's going to bring, she's going to bring a dose of magic about art and art students and what they're looking for today. Here she comes, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I didn't know they were going to stand up for her. Her name is Je Jessica Berry. She's president and owner of the Modern College of Design. What's up, Jessica? How are you? Oh, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me today. And it's good to meet you, Kurt. Um, I'm excited to talk about everything design. Well, let's talk art and design. So l let's just get a sense of where you are, your college, where it's located, what you guys do and how you do it. And then we'll just jump into it from there. Yeah, sure. So the Modern College of Design was founded in 1983 by a graphic designer named Tim Potter, um, who just saw a real need in our area for entry-level talent. And so our school was started in Kettering, Ohio with 25 students. And over the last nearly 40 years now, we've grown into one of the top design schools in the country with about 200 students, so we're still small. Um, but at our core, we're teaching students how to be problem solvers. They're helping organizations all around the world solve really comp complex problems. Um, and so our students come with great artistic skills. We combine that with strategic thinking um, and business disciplines, and they come out as just true dynamos. And 
and really do a great job for our world's organizations. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. I, you know, when people let's let's dispel the um, I don't know the stigmas or the thoughts of people when you say you know a college of design or a college of art and design or any combination. It's like somebody thinks you're standing in front of a canvas painting, and it's like that's not what we're talking about here when it comes to modern design, is it? Yeah, no, it's not. Most of it is digital, um, as you can imagine. Um, but it is, you know, our students come to us with very traditional skills. A lot of times, you know, like myself, I actually graduated from the Modern College of Design um, right after high school. And I grew up in an area where there were not a lot of opportunities. And so drawing and painting was were really my only artistic outlets. And I applied for admissions with you know, five or six different paintings that I had done through high school and then got to the college and thought, what the heck am I doing? This is not drawing and painting. Um, this is critical thinking, creative thinking, um, and then mixing that with digital media. And, you know, it was a little bit of a shock at first. And I think it's a shock for all students that decide to take this route. Um, but after, after a few weeks um, and you get into those first couple of assignments, you realize, wow, what an amazing industry that you can become a part of. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can be creative every day, use your artistic skills, but have lots of opportunities to help people. And so usually students pretty quickly realize this is a great avenue for them. Yeah, Kurt, you've got a little bit of a familiarity here, right? And you're, do, you're talking to the same types of students. What's, what, how do students come in? How do you, you guys, you know, both of you, I mean, this question to kind of both of you guys, you know, um, design and you think about game design or you think about, yep. you know, what does design mean? Interior design, user experience and website design. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, talk about how students come in and how they come out a little bit, Kurt. Well, I mean, I think um, in, a, in a lot of ways, um, my institution has got a lot of diff- same similar origins and, and reasons for coming, you know, uh, to be around and they had a, a very much a regional focus in, in the beginning as well, as far as trying to fulfill a need. Um, I think Jessica hits it right on the uh, on it, where um, you know our focus has been about <clears throat> giving real skills, basically honing the talent that's there and giving them uh, you know access to industry and opportunity. Um, so the, the question I actually have, Jessica, just to kind of go down is. One of the things I know I fight, and I'm sure you do too as well, to some extent, is trying to make sure that people understand, I think more so than any other time, especially in the last 20 years, um, you know, our graduates have so much more opportunity uh, in industry to be productive across the lines, finance, uh, uh, light industry, um, you know, all sorts of different places. You know, where are you seeing your your graduates after they, after they graduate, which is obviously creative lives that are absolutely can be fulfilled. The idea of the starving artist is kind of a ridiculous concept that I know I battle on a number of occasions, but wanted to get your perspective. Before you answer that, Jessica, I'd like to note in Kurt's amazingness here, I hit the wrong mute button. So everybody got to hear me shuffling around things on my desk and he walked right through it without even being interrupted on that question. Well done. Yeah, and, yeah. and not well done for me, not hitting the right button. Uh, so that he could ask a clean question there. Yes, very well done, Kurt. That was impressive. Um, Let me see. So 
I'm sorry. Could you yeah, say I interrupted it. I totally interrupted <laughs> yeah, it. No, no problem. I think where I was going was, is that, you know, we all fight art and design schools, uh, fight this concept of, well, what is my, what is my student, my loved one going to do? And then the student also trying to understand, I think this generation more so than even millennials generation Z is really trying to understand what is the outcome? Like I go through this, I learn these things. What can I do with the skills? Um, wh where are your graduates going and, and, and what kind of productive lives are you seeing uh, sort of post-graduation? Yeah, um, we're seeing them, like you can imagine, in a variety of different industries. You know, when I started working at The Modern 20 years ago, most of our students went to design firms or ad agencies. And now that's, that's really varied. Um, you know, for instance, just not long ago, we had a group of graduates who all went out to the Bank of Oklahoma and are on their user experience team. They've now been there for a few years and it's a really great culture, a rewarding environment. And if I think if you would have told a student 20 years ago, hey, go to art school to work for a bank, I don't think they would have ever imagined that that were possible. So, you know, in our local area, there are great design firms. There are some great advertising agencies, but a lot of the work is in corporations. Um, we're also seeing a lot of students who are working for small business. Um, you know, especially if they um, run e-commerce, they may need someone who's constantly updating products and promoting them online. Um, social media is definitely a bigger ask than ever. It just keeps growing. People that can create dynamic digital content um, who are good creative writers um, and understand the strategic mission of an organization and can communicate that. Um, so yeah, I mean, like you said, it's amazing the amount of opportunities that professional designers have um, now compared to even 10 years ago. So if I, if I can throw a, a boring academic uh, fact into the mix. No, um, okay, go ahead. There, there'll be some, some people within the audience that'll completely grab onto this. And hopefully others that will just hit the pause button for a minute while I get through it. But, you know, one of the things I think you point to, Jessica, is the fact that um, our students are going into, and your students specifically, are going into all sorts of different kinds of industry, right? So they're value added. I think is even greater than it used to be even 10 years ago. At least those who own these businesses understand that there's a fearlessness, right, to our graduates when they go into those spaces that they don't necessarily see from other, you know, walks of life. One of the things that gets me though is like if they go into work for a bank, the financial services people get to get to count them in their workforce. This is the boring academic part of it. The Bureau of Labor Statistics doesn't count us. Like you have to get to graphic design about three or four levels into the into the statistics, which haven't been updated since I think like 1945 or some ridiculous thing like that. So, you know, the thing is, is that what, what parents and loved ones don't understand is that our graduates, your graduates are, are really having high level jobs, making very good salaries. And honestly, the thing that they don't get right is when they work for, so a bank, for example, and I've got a number of people that work for a bank too, the stuff you get in the mail isn't created by, you know, the top 25 MBA, you know, graduate. Because if you left it to their own devices, they wouldn't sell anything because they couldn't actually make the information accessible to anybody. Um, you know, a regular person has got to decide whether or not they want to put their money into something. And who is it? It's our graduates that actually make that happen. Right, Jessica? Mm -hmm. I think um, the other 
thing is I, I would love to find out a little bit more on your end. I find your group really unique and in a super positive way is that, you know, I, I think your, your base degree is the, is the two-year degree. And then if you could talk to me a little bit about the bachelor's completion component of it, I, I really uh, spent a lot of time on that aspect of your, of your stuff in preparation for today. Oh, thanks, Kurt. I'm glad you had took some time to learn about us. Yeah. Um, yeah, we actually, when we were founded, we started by offering a diploma in advertising art. And that was really our start. And at the time, we were teaching students how to create illustration for advertising. Um, you know, a lot of retail circulars still were completely illustrated every on a weekly basis. And yeah. there were there was a lot of work in our area for that. Um, but over time, then we, in 1999, we started offering an associate degree because our employers were requiring a more well-rounded knowledge um, from our students outside of design. And so that brought in general education courses. Um, and then about, I would say 10 years ago, we had more and more grads say, gosh, I really wish you would add a bachelor's component because I'm applying for a job in California and they have a bachelor's requirement. I wish you would do this. So we started doing some research with employers and found that the, the real skills that they wanted graduates to have if they were to invest further in their education were strategic marketing, communications, mm -hmm. um, budgeting, HR. They were all really related around leadership. So we started this bachelor's completion program in design leadership in 2018. Um, it's not a program for every student. You know, for the student who wants to graduate, get that out there working as soon as possible. Um, our associate degree program is great for that type of student. But if they're an entrepreneur, if they want to be a creative director, if they want to be a chief marketing officer someday, and they're even thinking about going on to the master's level, um, those are the students that we really encourage to go into the design leadership program. Um, we now have our first graduating class is coming up on a year of employment. Um, their Amazing. salaries overall are about a quarter higher than the associate degree at that same level. Mm -hmm. um, so they're seeing some monetary gains, but what we're seeing, it's just an entirely different level of thinking. Um, one of the first classes they take in their third year is design thinking. And so many students come through that and say, I almost wish I would have taken this first because this really brings everything together um, that I learned in the associate degree program. Um, and so we're thinking about some curriculum modifications to, to help bring those ideas together for or earlier in their education. Um, but so far, we're, we're pleased with this modular concept. It's a little confusing, I will say, though, to some prospective students and their families um, mm -hmm. when I say, okay, I understand that you want to pursue a bachelor's degree, but you're going to start in our associate degree program. We're still having some communication issues with that that we're trying to iron out. Um, because it just is a, a little bit different way of thinking. It's not completely unique to higher ed, um, but it's just a little bit more unusual. So how, uh, what are the, uh, the age groups? Uh, is there a difference uh, there? And uh, sort of what are the backgrounds of the students that tend to drift uh, to either one of those choices? Yeah, so in our associate degree program, typically 90% of our students are directly from high school. Um, a lot of them come from Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, um, I would say 10% come from outside of that range, other parts of the country. Um, and then 10% are usually someone who recently graduated from college in an, in an unrelated major. You know, maybe they're a history major or something and they've decided now they wanna be a designer. Um, the students that matriculate into the completion program are usually students directly from the associate degree. 
Um, right now in this, in this first group of students, we did attract quite a few alums who are anywhere from age 30 to 60 um, that graduated from here in the last 40 years. Um, but I think ongoing, I think we will see mostly students directly from the associate program and then also students who are directly just from another community college or another two-year program that are looking to continue their education. Jessica, do you think, uh, I want to take a step back, the, Kurt could just take over this episode because he's asking good questions here, but I want to take a step back and ask you about the value piece because you guys, as you guys were both talking, um, you know, what jobs, you know, what are the outcomes? And you think higher ed's in this, I don't know, really funky space about what's the value of higher education. It's if you're on LinkedIn, you know, these are conversations that happen all the time. There's people out there that are just like no college degree. You don't need it. You don't have to have it simultaneously. And I bring this up all the time, especially for lower economic students and students of color. It's like, no, you can get a degree and it's going to help you in later life and help your generational wealth. It's this really I don't know, it's a oxymoron kind of it's it's like, you, no matter which way you pick, it's a risk. But for, for design students, is there a, I don't know, a more specific sell that you need to make to say, hey, look, here are their careers, because it's more, I don't know, I don't know what the right word is, maybe hard to pin down on what that career is. Do you have to really bring students in and parents and say, look, here are the places our students work, here's how you have to think about it. It's not like, you know, does a parent just go, oh, what's my, what's my kid going to do? Just go, you know, design something. What does that even mean? You know what I mean? Yes, we do. I don't know if there was a question there or not, but go with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We do several things. So I started my career in admissions. That was my first job after graduating from the college. And, me, and same here. Not bad. I like yeah. it better and better. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Go, go, go. Mine was student development. So no, that's a good uh, one too. Yeah, that's, that's okay. <laughs> Good one too. Um, but yeah, when I worked in, in admissions, I loved working with parents who were truly skeptical, mm -hmm. you know, that didn't know a lot about this industry, um, worried about their child being a starving artist. And you could tell by their body language when they came for their campus tour how they felt. <laughs> and I, that was, I love those people. I think they were such a challenge. And I would spend an hour and a half you know, gently walking them through what this industry is like, what type of opportunities would be available for their student when they graduated. We would talk about salary ranges. We would look at geographics of where their students could work. Um, but I always loved the parents at the end of those appointments that you could tell you truly made a difference. And you could tell by the look on the student's face because a lot of times, you know, when you're the admissions counselor, you might be the first adult that has ever advocated for their dreams yeah. and told them, you know, and you've seen their work, you know, usually we're looking at their work and giving them an honest opinion, you know, and we are selective in our admissions process. So if I sit down with you and your parents and say, hey, I really think you can do this. You have what mm -hmm. it takes. You know, this is world changing for this student. So I just love being able to have that impact. Um, I love working the parents too, where you can see tears in their eyes halfway through the admissions appointment because they have been pushing their student in the opposite direction, probably for years, for good reasons. They have the best of intent because they just didn't know what opportunities were there. And here you are putting on the table real world 
great opportunities for their child to be happy and successful. And those students or those parents sometimes leave emotional because of that. Um, it's one of the most rewarding things that we do. Um, now, from a college standpoint, um, we put a lot of emphasis on career services. We have always had someone in that director role who is highly connected, highly engaged, really cares about the students and graduates and where they go. Um, we have two um, internship opportunities that all students must complete. So we have one in our associate, one in our bachelor's. Um, we find those opportunities for the students. So we get to know them really well while they're here. Um, and then we start doing the research as it gets closer to those opportunities to try to find a match that we're hoping will give them sort of that test run to answer their questions about the industry. So if they're saying, you know, I really want to work in an advertising agency. We want them to have that first experience while they're in school so they can vet that out. Because sometimes a student gets into a co-op with an advertising agency and they're like, wait a minute, <laughs> this is absolutely not the type of culture that I want. And so it gives them that first shot at it to see if it's right for them. Um, then when it gets close to graduation, we're working on full-time placements. You know, typically our internship um, opportunities, usually somewhere between 40 to 50% of those turn into full-time positions after graduation. So some of that work's done. But for the ones that maybe they took an internship that was a great opportunity that we knew would not turn into full-time, you know, we start working with them and trying to get them into the right position. Um, and usually most students are placed within about 90 days. Um, if someone is highly selective or maybe they have something going on in their life that they need to wait, um, I, it can take up to a year for some students. Um, but here at The Modern, we offer those services all throughout their careers too. You know, Kurt, I don't know, you probably keep in touch with your grads too. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, we're posting on LinkedIn. We're sending out alumni newsletters. Mm -hmm. um, we just had, this is really funny. Most of our students, I don't know if, if you would say this too, Kurt. Um, a lot of them want to work for Disney someday. You know, they've grown up just thinking that is the ultimate of career objectives. And uh, our career services director a couple of weeks ago just took a bunch of open positions from Disney, posted them on LinkedIn and said, hey, I know this is the dream for so many of you. You know, I dare you to apply. And there was a graduate from the modern in 2015 that really wanted to work for Disney. She knew she probably needed a couple steps before she were able to apply there. And so she got a job with Huffy Bikes. Um, they're actually headquartered here in Dayton. And so she has been designing products that have been in Walmart and Target. And, you know, and she constantly posting pictures on social media of her with her new products. And so she applied and she ended up after a couple of weeks, she was offered a position and she's moving to Florida. And so it's just so nice to see that the resources that we put out there, even after they graduate, she's been out for about eight years. They're still paying attention to that because the resources are good yeah. and they're taking advantage of it. You know, and in the end, I always tell every student and parent, you know, I really care about your first job, but I care more about where you are in 15, 20 years. You know, I want to make sure that you have a long-term career, not just a first good job. So, um, so yeah, we put a lot of emphasis on it um, for that reason, but we really enjoy it. I mean, we want students to see that return and we want really great people in our industry. You know, they also down the road make great instructors on our campus. So um, we're always excited about cultivating that talent. Hey, everybody, head over to www.edipexperience.com.
www.thepodcastmarketingmusicgroup.com, our website where you're going to find all of the episodes that we've recorded categorized so that you can ensure that you're spending your time listening to the podcasts that are most important to you. You're going to see the reviews of our podcast, the shows in our network, our partners, and a section on starter episodes. If you're new to the Edup experience, listen to those starter episodes and get a feel for how the podcast has evolved over time and our impact in the world. www.edupexperience.com. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, uh, the, the modern, I think just does a, you, you guys seem to do a spectacular job in supporting your students and doing the right thing. And a lot of similarities actually, uh, in, as I was hearing you, I was listening to myself talking to my staff and we just had accepted students day on Saturday. I think I said mm. about half the, half the things you just went through, but it's, um, <laughs> One of the things I wanted to, to sort of talk about with, with you as well, because I think it's 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 interesting and it's it's something that I always love talking about, which is the passion of the students and this understanding that the students that are coming to our institutions, you know, the parents, I think some of that emotionalism, and I'd just love to get your reflection on this from the parents are the fact that um, you know, we, we're dealing with students, creative people, right, who can't turn it off. This is, this is what drives their daily thing. And the, the, the loved ones know it and are kind of fearful because they don't understand what the outcome would be. And they, they want the best for them. And when you're able to show them a pathway, they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. So talk a little bit about the, the passion that your students bring to the space. I know it energizes me on a daily basis. Oh my gosh, yes. So most of our students, I would say, come with a passion for photography, illustration, um, digital media, social media. Um, those areas are, are what we see most. Um, you know, when I talk to parents, if the student is really passionate about photography, you know, I'll ask them, you know, have you ever been driving down the road with your child and they ask you to stop? because they wanna take a photo of something really strange that you would never think of taking a photo of. And when they get out of the car, they lay down on the ground upside down Yikes. to get the very best photo. And, and nobody taught them to do that. They are just so passionate about getting these creative shots and getting the right shot that they just do whatever it takes. And sometimes parents are like, crying, laughing by the time I get done with that question, because that's happened to them multiple times, you know, and probably on the way to the college tour. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, you know, a lot of parents don't share that same passion that their student has. I think the parents that can embrace it and encourage it um, are pleased once their student is through college successfully you know, has some experience behind them and is working in a great professional environment, a supporting culture. I think they look back and, and are thankful that they encourage their student in that way. Um, but very rarely do we have a parent come in that has that same passion as yeah. their child. Mm. I also, I also wanted it. to ask a, a yeah, go ahead. question is um, yeah. uh, talking a little bit more about getting to know your student body, like who are they? and uh, knowing a little bit more about the demographics of the students. If you could talk a little bit about, you know, uh, first gen, I would imagine you have a relatively large group of first gen, or at least that's information I sort of was gleaming off as I was taking a look at it. And talk a little bit more about how you're supporting the dreams of, of really first time college and, um, and, and what the modern does to, to help those students really realize 
what is an upward mobility within their own space and especially any students of color and how you've been able to support them, I think is really important for people to, to understand the great things that your college is doing. Yes, we do have a really unique student body. It's very diverse. Um, many students, like you said, are first generation college students. Um, and so they come to us and they have a lot of financial questions. Um, so we meet each with each family individually that first time, sometimes for an hour and a half to two hours to really make sure that they understand the financial opportunities that are available. Um, we offer a range, which I'm sure you do too, Kurt, of institutional awards um, based on need and merit and ethnicity and all sorts of different things to help students um, because we want this to be as affordable as possible for our student body. Um, when they hit campus, um, we do a great job throughout orientation. Um, our student services team, which right now is, includes a, a vice president of student affairs and then a student success advisor, um, they work really hard to develop programming to help students get engaged in our community, get engaged with their faculty and staff, um, and then also their fellow classmates. Um, to start to find commonalities. You know, many students come to our campus, they are very unique individuals and in their small rural high school in, you know, Kentucky, Ohio, mm -hmm. Indiana, they really didn't connect with many other students. Yep. So this is the first time that they've been able to meet students that are like them. Um, and then vice versa too, some students come to us where they've really net never met anyone who is different from them. And they come back, come to our campus and there's a whole range of individuals. And so it really opens their eyes to the world. Um, but through the time here, we have a range of campus activities, um, community activities. We try to get our students as engaged as, as possible in our outside of the classroom. Um, right now, about 70% of our students move to our campus to become students, um, and we work with them to find apartments in our area. So even through our housing services, we're helping them connect. Um, we're hoping in the near future to build our own housing. That's our next um, master plan initiative that we're working on. So that will definitely help and create a whole nother level of engagement. Um, but yes, we have a very unique student body than nearly any other school I know. I'm sure it's very similar to yours, Kurt. And we just tried to cultivate them um, and help them grow as much as possible. Speaking of master plans, because you brought up master plan, uh, Jessica, I have one here at the Edip Experience podcast, and that is uh, to do uh, play a game with the both of you guys. I don't know, if, uh, Kurt, you've been listening lately. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but you're going to play today as well. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is another episode of Higher Ed Word Association with my amazing contestants, Jessica and Kurt, um, where you'll win here amazing, an amazing prize of zero dollars, uh, depending on who the winner is. Uh, you can win as, uh, up to zero uh, dollars. Uh, in fact, you may even go into the negative, uh, depending on your answers are. Um, but, uh, but I'm going to give you guys a word of phrase, a higher ed uh, associated word of phrase, and you tell me what that means and elaborate on it for your campus, for your, your ideals and whatever. And we're going to start with an easy one that I know will generate some emotion, and then we're going to move on to the, to the others, okay? And so I'm going to go with you, Jessica. Your first uh, term is starving artist. Oh. Starving artist, that's a, a painful word for me. Um, but it does, when I hear that word, I think of people who are truly passionate 
and who are willing to do anything to pursue their passion. Um, we just try to help people understand that you don't have to be a starving artist. There are things that you can do to use your passion um, and create a comfortable life for you and your family. Kurt, starving artist. Well, I can tell you the phrase I always start that conversation and that answer with is um, if any institution, any, especially a standalone art and design school is perpetuating that myth, uh, they're, they're, they're in, it's an immoral and unethical act. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that um, if we're doing our job right and we're connected to industry the way that I know uh, the modern is, uh, and just talking here and reading up on them, um, we're doing exact, we're, we're working for their success. Uh, that their passion is driving their success. Doesn't matter what they are. For me, I have a fine arts program, for example, which is where this moniker sort of derived itself. Um, but even they have they have options and they have pathways. It's it's my job, my institution's job to make sure that we show them the way uh, and and create those opportunities for them. So there's there's no such thing. You don't need to do that anymore. Uh, if you help people, at the end of the day, I always say. Our job is to help them manage a creative life. And that's why our relationship with them starts the first year. And I know, as Jessica mentioned about the modern, it continues all the way until they pass the planet. Uh, and that's a, a, and I don't think there's many other colleges that will overtly come out and say that other than art and design schools like the modern, like Montserrat. Mm. You guys warmed up? Fire. Got the fire <laughs> cooking now. In them. All right, so Jessica, next one over to you. Campus tours. Hmm. Campus tours are a really exciting part of what happens on our campus every day because we see students and parents hit our campus for the first time. And a lot of times the parents are very skeptical of what their student can do with their artistic skills professionally. And so by the time they get through the campus tour and they have met our caring staff, our talented and dedicated faculty, and they see all the services that we provide, they leave that campus tour with a really positive impression of what they can accomplish in the future as an artist. Yeah, sure. I think uh, the campus tour is the game changer for us. If we're able to have them meet our community, have them see the, the, city, the city that we're in uh, and see our facilities, um, we really uh, have a high chance of, of being able to get through to that student. But uh, more importantly, as Jessica points out, to their loved ones who can be the cheerleaders uh, for them and to really be supportive of them. I think uh, campus tours are, are important for the modern, uh, for Montserrat in a way that maybe not other places, just because it's hard to conceptualize the success factor until you're in the middle of it. But I have to say that it's probably the, one of the most important things we do. And it's one of the things that unfortunately COVID put a squash on for a period of time. And we're now, we're making up for it as we speak, so. I love it. And you'd think like, you know, students who are interested in the arts in some way are visual. So that campus store is well, really critical, exactly. right? It's, it's, it's critical to show them the, the possibility uh, and you have to see it to believe it, I think for certain students, that, especially yeah. the visual learners. Yep. Okay, Jessica, next one over to you. Take this in any direction you'd like. Marketing. Oh, marketing is one of my favorite subjects uh, because I graduated from the modern with a, a diploma in design originally. 
Um, marketing is something that I think some colleges can think is a negative concept, um, but it's something that is essential. And how we think of it is that we are just trying to communicate every day the good that this education can do for students. Marketing for us isn't a sales proposition. It's just communicating the good things that we do. And if we're communicating to the right student who can take it, can fully take advantage of those opportunities and benefit from them, then we will have done our jobs. Kurt, marketing. I think for us, we approach it as we're telling the story. You know, marketing is about telling, telling the story. Um, expressing what the opportunity is, and then also expressing the outcomes, you know, the great things that our faculty are doing, the great things that our students are doing, and how we're good community partners. And just to being able to talk about those things are really important. And I think if you can tell the story in a direct and clear way, um, you've, you don't have to be fancy about it. You literally can just sit there and just hit those areas and get that information out. And to me, it doesn't have to be, an, and, and Jessica's right, it can, it, actually some faculty can shy away from it depending on who you're talking to and what discipline they're in. Um, but it's not even a necessary evil, it's just necessary. Like, why wouldn't you wanna tell the world about your successes, about the great things that are happening? It's just kind of a natural thing. Well, and of course, faculty are marketing every day as they present the product to students, but you know, well, we don't need to go into that. Exactly. exactly. And they, Ladies and gentlemen. They don't always understand that, but exactly. You know, I, I, uh, we're going to go to the judges. They've declared this a tie. Uh, Jessica and Kurt, thanks for participating. That's so surprising. That's awesome. Yeah, Higher Ed Word Association, where nobody can ever win uh, here on the Ed of Experience, uh, except for our listeners who get your great insights. Jessica, I'm going to um, make a statement. I, I guess it's more of a statement. I'd like to respond in whatever way you want. And then, Kurt, I'll ask you for any last uh, questions that you have, and then we'll close down the episode with our final two. But I, uh, what was that? I've got all sorts of sounds happening over here on my microphones. I'm moving stuff around. Um, but I have a... a, a Sorry, it's happening again. It's my cord. See, guys, this is how professional we are here. Uh, we have, um, uh, you have been on a negotiated rulemaking committee. And I want to bring this up because as somebody who's worked in the for-profit uh, higher education sector, which basically is a tax status, not a modus operandi, just for, for anybody that's listening. Um, it's really, really hard sometimes to navigate the incredible and suffocating regulation that is put on um, good people trying to get students good skills in the for-profit profit sector. And here we are again, many years later, after you're on a negotiated rulemaking committee in 17 and 18, gainful still around and hovering, we've got, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, debt forgiveness, we've got, you know, all of these things that are kind of circling still. And one of the things that I just like to state um, is that for schools that are in, uh, nationally accredited or for f a, a quote unquote for profit school, which means nothing other than, um, and I get my soapbox surplus and nonprofit and profit and for profit are the exact same thing. You could put a different word on it, whatever you want, but you have to place 70% of your students in jobs. Okay, think about the infrastructure that has to, if we all had to do that in the nonprofit sector for every program we had, and you had to report back to your accreditor that you had 70% of your students working in their field of study, that is hard. That's my statement. What do you think about that? 
<laughs> you know, I'm right with you. Um, I actually just completed another negotiated rulemaking too uh, back in December. So I've done, I've gone through it twice. I've told everyone I'm retired at this point. Um, but, you know, I take the time to serve on those committees for all the things that you just said. Um, you know, I think in our community, we are a college. No one thinks about our tax status. They know that we serve students really well and that we have really talented people on our faculty and staff that truly care about that success. And so, you know, in our region, in our, our area of the country, we don't worry about these things. We only worry about what's happening in Washington. And, so, and I, I think we all have good reason to be worried. Um, I think just focusing on outcomes is where we really all need to stand. Um, we're going to continue to have scrutiny depending on who's on the white, in the White House. We're going to keep yo-yoing back and forth. Um, but if we all just focus on outcomes and do great things for our students, that's really the best we can do. I love that. Kurt, any final questions for Jessica? Um, I just would love uh, as sort of a, a wrap up in some way, it would be really good to talk a little bit about what's your, what's your hopefully post COVID uh, vision, right? For, uh, for the modern and where do you think it's, uh, it's headed? Yeah, so we, over the last few years, we've added the bachelor's degree program. We expanded our campus to include more students. So now this next step, which I mentioned a little bit ago is offering housing on our campus. Um, we live in a, our, we are, live really in a really great safe community that has great apartments within walking distance but the campus community that would be created as you probably know if we had campus housing right here on our five acre campus um, it would be game changing for us because we could align our academic programs with the residential programs um, and create even more continuity so i think that's going to be our next step um, we're also starting to engage more with corporations and organizations in our area um, to upskill designers who have been in their roles for 15, 20 years. You know, instead of letting that designer go and hiring one of our entry level students who have, have more fresh knowledge, um, let's help those people continue their career. And so we just signed our first contract with Kettering Health, which is a huge health provider in our area. And I love that they're making that commitment to their employees. You know, some of their employees have been with them for a few years. Others really have been there for 19, 20 years. And they're trying to find ways to take their graphic design skills into social media and video and animation. And we can do that. And even through online programs that make it more um, flexible for them and convenient. So I think we'll be doing more in that realm too. Um, but I look really look forward to creating more of that campus environment here. I love that Kurt, Kurt's question kind of summarized my two final questions in one, which is amazing. So I'm going to have to like copy his question moving forward. But uh, my final two questions, if you want to elaborate any further is what didn't we say about the modern? Anything that you want to say? It's your plug. It's your two minute plug section. You say whatever you want, events that are happening, anything that you want to say. And then what do you see as the future of higher education? Mm, um, final things I'd like to say about the modern. Just I want to circle back to how incredibly talented our students are. Um, you can visit our website and see their portfolios. Um, and if you have a project 
um, that you are interested in working with a student on, um, please contact us. Our career services director helps our students find full-time jobs, but also connects them with a lot of freelance projects um, that our students can create while they're students. And it just does so much to build their skill sets um, and build their resume. So definitely reach out to us if you have a project. Um, the future and of that's higher the modern, ed. The modern edu. Just so it you, so everybody is. knows. Yeah. Thank you. And the future Thank of higher you. ed. Yes, future of higher ed. Um, I think it will be a combination of residential on and online. I think for us, it will probably be a little bit further on online than residential. I think we'll have a really strong, small residential community, but then we'll also have an online environment that is filled with students who just can't move to our campus but they still want to get an amazing education. Um, or there are people like we talked about that are in their careers and just want to upskill and, and maybe pivot to another area of design. You know, when I graduated from the modern 25 years ago, you know, we had about two options for jobs when we graduated, you know, and like we talked about earlier, now those possibilities are infinite. So if an experienced graphic designer is looking to pivot to something that didn't exist when they were in college, um, I think they'll have the opportunity to do that. And I think online is where they're going to look. Wow. Pretty awesome, guys. Uh, you guys did great today on this episode. Of course, um, for anybody that's listening, I encourage you to check out both Montserrat College of Art and the Modern College of Design. These schools are really important to the ecosystem of higher education. We have to do what we can to support them. That's why we're doing this here at the Edup Experience Podcast. First, I want to thank my guest co-host. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen. He's Dr. Kurt Steinberg. He's president at Montserrat College of Art. Kurt, how was your Edup Experience today? It was great. I always love coming back. I hope I get. Uh, I hope I, I hope I get picked out of the bullpen again. It was really. If you enjoyable. keep wearing bow ties, buddy, you can come back as many times as you want. Absolutely. I love it. And I love talking to Jessica, and I love learning about the modern. I think a really wonderful place. And uh, kudos to you, and congratulations on all the success. Oh, thank you so much, That's and amazing. and uh, I'd love to connect with you outside of this too. I'd love to learn more about your school as well. Absolutely. Well, now you guys know each other. Now you guys know each other now, so now it's going to be a friendship made in heaven here. Of course, my <laughs> guest today, she's Jessica Berry. She is, she's owner, she's CEO, she's president, she is all things at the Modern College of Design, aka The Modern. Jessica, how was your EdUp experience today? Oh, it was just so much fun. Thank you so much for asking me. It's just been a great opportunity to spend a few minutes talking about design and talking about the future of higher ed. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, you've just EdUped. <laughs>